What is up, everybody? I am George Mossy. Say hello to my co-host, Heather C. This is the George Mossy Show. So, 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way, Season 4, Episode 5 has aired. We have a lot more to talk about. I'm excited to talk about this, actually, because it is finally time where we met Osama. We went over to Morocco, and we met him in his own element, and he is a farmer. He is a poet. He is a painter. And he is a Muslim. So the first thing that came to my mind was, does Debbie know that when you marry a Muslim man, that there are certain things that they expect? Because we know Debbie is very eccentric and Debbie is herself. And she is definitely not changing for anyone. We've seen Julian try to persuade Debbie to do anything and she's not doing it. So that was the first thing that came to my mind. So she has been there before. So maybe um, Osama isn't as strict about his religion as some other Muslim men are. But that was the first thing that came to my mind because I was like, when he said, I'm a Muslim and my religion is very important to me, I was like, does Debbie know that she's moving into that type of situation? Because we're kind of watching that with Nicole. But Nicole did know. Nicole was fully aware. But I was like, what if Debbie isn't aware? And then when she lands in Morocco, things kind of spiral out of control because Debbie isn't the type of person that you can put in a box and tell what to do. Right. I don't know. I don't think that she's going to be blindsided by any way. Um, because I, I do think though, that she thinks maybe that she could just come there and continue to be herself. And because she's older, she's got that like superior gene where I wish somebody would tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, since you're not at home anymore, it can't really be that way. But then again, I don't really know her too well. <laughs> we just like recently met her ourselves. So I don't know if she would take good to the change because, you know, being respectable or she would stand her ground and be like, wait a second, this is not what I want to do. Um, I don't know. I, I feel some type of way about the situation. I kind of feel like she might end up getting homesick with help of her her kids that are not kids anymore but like because she's so close with her son especially i know that was really hard of him to say goodbye to her um and he insists that something bad is gonna happen to her yeah so that was kind of a rough way to, to say to send somebody on their way like please don't die you know <laughs> like bon voyage <laughs> so i don't know i i hope that um it works out for her because I know she's really happy and she likes him and everybody deserves to be happy. So hopefully her uh, demeanor and uh, attitude won't take from it. <laughs> so Osama says that he doesn't have a job because it would get in the way of his creativity of mm -hmm. being an artist. So that kind of caught me as a red flag because he is an adult man. He's 24 and he lives with his parents and he helps on their form and he doesn't really work. He does write poetry and he does hand paint and, and he's an artist, you know, and he's a sad artist. Like people love the the heartbroken artists because they, they produce amazing work and they can really capture the negativity and hurt in life. And his art does show that. But why doesn't he have a job? And is that going to be an issue for Debbie? You know, I'm wondering because Debbie is retired. Working is not important for Debbie because she has done that in her life. She has paid her dues. But is Osama going to need to start working to take care of her? Because she didn't sell her townhouse. She's leaving that for her kids. So there's not like a huge sum of money that she's getting to bring over for them. There's just whatever she had in the bank. So I'm wondering, are they going to be able to make a life of their own just off of the money that Debbie has, because I'm sure Debbie doesn't want to live in his parents' farm. You know, I'm sure that that's not the option that she's looking for, because she said they want to get an apartment together. But if he's not working, 
you know, who's really getting the apartment? You know, it's probably just Debbie and he's going to live there. And it's like, how long is this? He's a young guy and I love him going to last until it wears off. And she actually wants a man that's going to take care of her because I'm sure that's what she would want deep down. I feel like it's going to happen right away. I really do. I feel like she's going to be like, I have kids and I don't need another one to take care of. You're a man. You should be the provider or at least 50 50. And I think like realizing that it's not going to be all it's cracked up to be. So I really think that it's going to hit her like almost right away. Yeah. And Julian, I finally understand you. He's a mama's boy. Cause I was <laughs> like, Julian is so mean. He's not for Debbie's dreams. He is so trying to kill her dreams. Julian is upset because he's losing his best friend. He doesn't hate Osama. He doesn't hate someone that he doesn't know. He just knows that he's losing the closest person in his life. And I fully understand Julian now. At first, I was like, Julian, geez, give your mom a break. She's just trying to have a little fun. But I get it now. He doesn't want his mom to go over there and get hurt, knowing that that's the person that he always can turn to and talk to. And he's feeling like he has to share her now with this 24-year-old who might not even have good intentions. So I fully understand him now. Yeah. I love that they have such a close-knit relationship. I completely understand it. So to me, it's not weird. Um, I think it's cute. And I feel bad that, you know, she's not close by. Um, but I guess you just have to learn that if you love somebody, let them do what's right for them. Like, keep an eye on them so that, maybe, you know, they don't do the wrong thing or something. But kind of like let them just set their path and just enjoy life. I'm sure Officer Julian will fly over there a couple of times and check on his mom. I'm pretty sure because Julian is he's an officer first. He's a son second. So I'm sure we'll see him on plane sometime soon going to see what's going on. Chris is feeling better because, you know, she was having neck problems and she was having some issues when she got to Columbia. She's feeling better. And the first thing she wants to go and do is go shopping. Now, she doesn't want to go shopping for purses or clothes. She wants to go shopping for knives and weapons. Now, Jamie is a bit taken back by that because she doesn't know if it's a good idea to have knives and weapons in a house with someone who has night terrors, who have violent night terrors. So she said, in order for the knife to be present in the home, it cannot be anywhere near the bedroom where they're sleeping, but she is going to allow it. And apparently Chris said that this is a normal practice for people who grow up in Alabama. When she was eight years old, she got a pretty big knife Um, when she was eight years old. And Jamie's like, I got a Barbie doll. So Same. that's different, right? That's different. But I will say this i grew up in louisiana and i do remember having pocket knives and swiss army knives at a young age and now looking back i'm not sure if i was supposed to have that stuff i'm not 100 percent sure i was old enough to have it like i even had like the knife with all the different things like i was too young probably to own that but it's probably a southern thing like chris was saying in the south it is not strange for your kids to have bb guns and have um target practice with their parents and doing things like that like not like with their friends, but like taking them to target practice. I don't want to misconstrue that. But like, I think that Jamie is a bit worried because she's learning a lot about Chris in a short amount of time. Like the neck injury and the surgery, she was unaware of. The knife situation, she wasn't really aware of. And I feel like Jamie is just like, I thought I knew this woman. They're supposed to get married in a matter of days. And every day she's like, I'm learning something new. And I think the shop clerk at this knife place thinks that she's a lunatic, you know, and she's like, I'm not 100% sure that she's not right. Because she doesn't know her as much as well as she thought she did. I mean, I think that it is a little weird, um, but 
then again, you know, if you can't be yourself in a relationship, then why are you in a relationship at all? And like I said before, with the other couples, I find it so hard that none of this stuff came up in conversation. Like, hey, by the way, I need to have neck surgery. And oh, I have night terrors. And I like knives and guns. Like, I just somewhere down the line, something had to have come up to have like, what are you talking about on the phone? Like, I mean, is everybody's having phone sex? Like, what are you talking about on the phone that you're not getting to know each other? Because I just feel like some, not if not all, like some of this stuff should have at least been like discussed a little bit. Like, yeah. by the way, <laughs> you know, like one of those, like just a heads up. So um, I can see how they would find it weird because you normally don't see people like in the store, like being like little ninjas trying to like stab people or air. Um <laughs> But if it makes her feel safer, then it makes her feel safer. But they both got to be on board with it. It's going to be in the house. And I know I don't yeah. weapons because. Well, apparently Jamie told Chris that she was punched in the face on a bus and was robbed of her phone about mm -hmm. five years prior. And Chris finds that to be very violent and unsafe. But Jamie was like, it only happened once in five years. And I was like, Jamie, girl. That doesn't happen to people in their whole lifetime in some places. So I was like, maybe Chris isn't overreacting. You know, we don't know Bogota. I don't know Bogota the way Jamie does. But Chris said that she heard negative things about it. So if, like you said, if this is going to make her feel safe, it's not a gun. So that's already a plus. Guns are very, very dangerous. There's no accidents with guns. Like with a knife, you could have an accident. Everybody could be okay. You know, you can heal. Everything will be fine. A gun is different. So if this is going to make her happy, I guess it's a small compromise, I guess, maybe. I mean, start off with a pocket knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the Before big one. Before you get, like, this giant machete. Like, start off small and then, you know, take it from there. At least you can put it in her little bag or carry-on or something. <laughs> All right, let's head to India. So we're going to go to India. And last week, Jen was like, I don't want to meet your family. When you're ready to tell them that we are together, I'll go. But then she sleeps on it. And Rishi shows up with an outfit for her to wear and a plan. And she decides to go and meet the family. But little did we know, she had a strategic plan for this meeting. She wasn't giving in. She wanted to get some answers from his parents and family about the situation because she feels that he's not being forthcoming because when Sanjeet mentioned to her, oh, well, you know, they're looking for people for him to marry. And Rishi was like, oh, they just started a month ago. Then we learned from Rishi's mom, she's been looking for almost three years. So there's a lot of distorted truth. He I think that Jen was trying to get to the bottom of it because Jen is living in a country where she is being hidden away as a secret lover, right? Like, that's basically what it is. He's hiding her from everyone. And she has been, like, present in the family because apparently Jen attended his sister's wedding. But how do you explain that? Like, how did she manage to get to the wedding? What did he tell the family of this person who happened to get an invitation who they didn't really know. Because wouldn't you ask questions like if there was some random American and you're an Indian at your wedding, you'd be like, can you explain to me who that American person is and why they're here? Like, I don't understand this whole situation. And I feel like Rishi is doing like some sort of damage control. He's He wasn't properly translating everything to Jin either. Did you catch that? Like his mom said two and a half years he said one and a half years and he was doing like little things to make it seem like he wasn't lying that much did you catch that 
I did. I really did. And you know what? I didn't want to see the story pan out again. This is literally a Jenny and Summit 2.0. Like another classic case of somebody having to lie in order to please their family. When can you enjoy your life? You have one life to live. And if you know that in your culture and in your religion, you are not supposed to date or marry outside of your culture or your religion, then why are you looking for it? (laughs) To me, if you are seeking, you're already being devious towards your family. And if you can look your mother in the face, knowing that she's looking for you a bride and you've already found a potential bride, you've already backstabbed her. So at some point in time, I think it's okay to just be honest and say, this girl right here is the person I want to marry. Because you know what? It's not fair to these females. It's not fair for them to make all of these life-changing decisions and choices and moves. Like they're literally uprooting their life to Mm. come to their country. And they are being treated like they're like another woman. And that is just beyond not fair. So he knew from the jump that he did not want to be with anybody his parents wanted him to be with. That was his time to say, mom, let me be honest. This is what I want. Honesty is better than deception. And his mom did say that she was open to him dating any girl from any religion. She had no... Um, what's the word? No reservations for like if it, if he loved her and she was of good education and good height. Apparently, height was important. Then she was open to that. But he just won't be honest. And I feel like, like you said, just be honest with everyone. And I mean, worst case scenario, your mom says you can't marry her and you just don't marry her. You know, that's the worst case scenario, and it's gonna hurt Jen. But that's the way that it has to be. You can't just lead people on, string people on, move them across the world on a whim, and just say, well, maybe if my mom likes you this will pan out. That's not fair. So, oh crap, we've run out of time. All right, guys, that's all the time we have this week for the George Massey Show, Night Day Fiance, The Other Way, Season 4, Episode 5. There's like 10 more episodes to go, guys. And there's so much going on. Make sure you're following me on all social media platforms at George Massey, georgemassey.com, and anywhere you get your podcast. And you have to follow my co-host, Heather C2. Her links are right here at the bottom. We will be back next week to talk to you again about this show and more. Talk to you soon. 